Well, again, good morning. We are so thankful that you have chosen to worship with us this morning through online as this, we are navigating uncharted waters. This has been an interesting week, in particular the past couple of days, as we have been witnessing the effects of hysteria and panic through empty shelves and grocery stores and other stores. And we have um, been watching news reports and receiving information and just kind of seeing all this kind of unfold. And now here we find ourselves um, in this situation, an unfamiliar and an uncomfortable place. Um, I want to thank you as you join us this morning as a faithful and a flexible congregation. For that, I am very thankful. This decision to do this um, took place over the course of a couple of days as we work together with our lay leadership of the congregation, as we monitor the situation through local and state and national government protocols and suggestions and recommendations. And this has not happened in a, in a vacuum. We were uh, monitoring what was happening in our local area with other churches and other church leaders. And we had uh, many, many discussions and debates, and I did not want to arrive here. I did everything I could and waited as long as I could to make this decision that was unavoidable. Um, so here we are, and I just want to say thank you to the staff and for our lay leadership for um, their input, their insights, and the tireless efforts that went from our, offered by our staff um, to make this possible. Um, for our volunteers who are here now, um, and the band and, um, who are making this uh, live stream possible, thank you for um, working with us. This is a um, this is a, a different moment, and it's an uncomfortable place, especially for me, as I like to engage people <laughs> with eye contact and responses, and and I'm looking into the lens of a camera. It's not very responsive, so I. Um, I want to. I want to just kind of encourage us all to um, remain responsible and um, accountable to one another. Check on your neighbors uh, in the coming days. Check on your friends and family who are elderly or at risk. And if anything comes up that your church can help you with, we want to be there for you any way that we can. So let us know as things change for you in your life. For your family, call the church office and let us know or email us and we will respond as we absolutely can. Um, I, I want to uh, share with you a few words from Paul. Paul was quite familiar with the unfamiliar and with uncharted waters as he was growing the church across the, the empire, the Roman Empire, and he um, encountered all kinds of persecution of trials and tribulations. He encountered um, uncomfortable places. He was thrown in prison, was beaten, was kicked out of synagogues, run out of towns and cities, um, shipwrecked, you name it, Paul has been through it. And he offers some powerful, encouraging words to these young churches and to us today, um, churches that face the unfamiliar and uncharted waters. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, um, Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all consolation, who consoles us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction with the consolation with which we ourselves are consoled by God. 
For just as the sufferings of Christ are abundant for us, so also our consolation is abundant through Christ. If we are being afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. If we are being consoled, it is for your consolation, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we are also suffering. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our consolation. So Paul writes this young church in Corinth to say, as we suffer, you can find consolation because God is consoling Paul and his comrades, his colleagues, fellow ministers of the gospel. And as we receive God's consolation, God's comfort, we can reflect that comfort to others who face distress, who face uncertainty, the unfamiliar, and the uncomfortable. So I offer these words to us today and to the church universal just to remind us that God is never far away and God's comfort and consolation is with us in all times and in all places. As we um, think about what's going to happen in our future in this unfamiliar, we know that next week we will be in the same, um, well, the same mode, the same environment. We will be online again next week, and then we will address from there um, where we will land. But um, and I would imagine through the month of March, this is where we will be, um, given all that we are hearing from the public health officials. Um, as we uh, continue to um, this, wow, <laughs> as we make our way and continue this sermon series that we are in, um, we are in chains and we've been dealing with how uh, Christ comes and breaks these different chains. And, and today we were going to address the, um, the chains of tradition and expectation almost um, po poetic that here I am. And here I was yesterday struggling to not change the tradition that I have grown accustomed to since arriving in Mobile to be here with many of you sitting in these chairs, standing and greeting, shaking hands, and here those expectations have been changed. As, we, as I think about this, um, this idea of change and breaking expectations and traditions, but, and not just, you know, today, not just tradition, not just expectation, but maybe fear and anxiety could also be addressed. You know, as I uh, was a young, when I was a young child, I um, used to go with my parents to Panama City Beach. That was our um, annual um, summer vacation was to travel to Panama City Beach and to spend about a week. And so I would spend my days on the beach, playing in the sand or in the pool, getting my cheeks pink and my shoulders burned. And then I would climb back into bed every night in the cool air conditioning and listen to the ocean crash outside the window. One of the things I remember most about being a young child was building sand castles. I used to love to build sand castles. I would build them as close as I could to the water's edge so I could build this moat and let the water kind of seep in and fill in the moat. And I would have these elaborate walls that would begin with very smooth and carved and shaped. And then I would drizzle the moist sand on top of that to kind of give it some, well, some architecture. 
And then in time, the tide would come in and would overpower the moat and begin to erode the walls until eventually the entire sandcastle returned to the bottom of the gulf. The next day I would come out and look at where my sandcastle once stood and there would be no trace of that sandcastle. And so I would do what any six or seven year old boy would do is I would rebuild. I would rebuild my sandcastle. I would make it bigger and stronger on the same foundations as near and as close as I could get to the water. I would build my moat wider and deeper to accommodate more water and to protect my walls. And, but eventually the tide would come in, would overflow the moat, erode the walls, and overtake my sandcastle. That's a powerful thing. To see the, 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 the power and the unstoppable force of a rising tide and its impact devastating effects on my sandcastle. As I have that image in my mind, we have in front of us a, a wonderful story from the Gospel of John, chapter 4. Here the story is the woman from Samaria and Jesus at Jacob's well. I want to read, us, read to us now um, John, chapter 4, beginning in verse 5 and through verse 30. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Then the woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship Him. 
God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who was speaking to you. And just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see the man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? And they left the city and were on their way to him. And this is the word of God, the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is an incredible story about this woman in Samaria. And the, the, the highlights of this, the, the important parts of the story, that Jesus is not just talking to this woman. He has actually traveled into a land called Samaria. Now what is Samaria? It's this geographical spot of land that exists between Judah and Galilee. And Samaria is, 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 is populated by Samaritans, that's the name, and Samaritans have a long and, according to the Jewish people, a checkered past. It was in the Assyrian Empire that the Jewish people, the Israelites, were exiled to all points of Assyria, and they left behind a small population. A population that had no real government, had no power, had no authority, had no money, had no army. And as they were left behind, they began to intermarry with other people in the area and in the regions. And this continued for generations. During the Babylonian exile, the Israelites and the Jewish people were exiled again. And when they returned from their exile, back to Jerusalem, Samaritans wanted to be a part of this incoming population, of, this, of their brothers and sisters from days of old, and the Jewish people would have no part of it because they had intermarried and they were no longer welcome, they were no longer seen clean. And so they sent the Samaritans away, away from Jerusalem. The Samaritans took exception and they went to the king of Persia to complain. And so the king of Persia withdrew his edict, withdrew his support of Jerusalem. And since that time, there's been this political rift between the Jewish, the Jewish people and the Samaritan people. They were considered unclean. They were considered unwelcome. He would not eat with them. He would not share with them as Jewish people. And the Samaritans felt the same way about the Jewish people. And so here is Jesus traveling through Samaria. It was typically, the typical route would have been to go around Samaria, to cross the Jordan River, to go up or go down and around Samaria and then come back into the land he wanted to travel to. But Jesus took a more direct route and went straight through Samaria. This was alarming, this was shocking, this was unexpected. And then to find him at Jacob's well talking to a Samaritan woman was even earth-shattering. A respected Jewish rabbi speaking to a Samaritan, a Samaritan woman nonetheless, was unheard of. This was breaking all expectations and all traditions. The woman was probably as shocked as his disciples were, and we hear their response at the end of this reading. This was unexpected. And this is the point of the story, at least for today. As Jesus comes and encounters the unwanted, the unclean, 
the outsiders, those who hold their own traditions and their own expectations, he begins to break down the walls. Like a rising tide over the walls of a sandcastle. It's unstoppable. It's an amazing thing to see. And today, as we uh, reflect on the traditions that we hold that act as chains that keep us from experiencing God, from experiencing love of God and love of neighbor. Those are the traditions that inhibit and keep us. These are the ones that are unhealthy. These are the traditions and expectations that hurt us and separate us from God and from one another. This was the wall. This was the tradition. This was the expectation that kept the Samaritans from God. The Jews from God. The Jews from the Samaritans, their neighbors. So as we think about the traditions in our lives, the expectations in our lives, and maybe even today the fears and anxieties, these are the walls that can keep us from experiencing God. Let's spend time this Lent season reflecting on the walls that inhibit love, that inhibit and prohibit relating to God and to our neighbors. So that we, as Paul challenges us, that we can reflect God's comfort and consolation to one another. Thanks be to God.